Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. That Kenny Twyman is a dangerous, dangerous individual. A three-time fugitive accused of murder. A complete menace of the city. Gets a lifeline. How do you know Kenny Twyman? Get out of here. It doesn't matter. Go. A $112,000 loan. It is nothing for a drug dealer. From a convicted felon. It's drugs. Absolutely drugs. It has to be drugs. Who's still on probation. I think the Department of Corrections should answer some questions for us. With his homicide trial still four months away, is Kenneth Twyman about to go free again? He's going to run again. He's going to escape. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined this week by Contact 6's Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hello, Brian. And Open Record executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi, guys. We are recording this episode on Thursday, November 17th. In five days, the Waukesha County Jail is scheduled to release 25-year-old Kenneth Twyman again. That's a name... Open record listeners might remember we've talked before about his frequent appearances on Wisconsin's Most Wanted. He's been arrested three separate times by the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force. He's currently facing charges in three separate felony cases in Milwaukee dating back to 2018, including homicide in April of this year. A few months ago, we learned that a mystery man named Richard Stulo had posted more than $100,000 to bail him out of jail. Now we know more about who he is and why he says he paid the bail, and we're just days away from an accused killer possibly going free yet again before he's even been tried. I know that's a lot, guys, but this case just keeps coming up. I will say that, you know, we get, you know, we have outlines for our podcasts here so we kind of can stay on track. Um, And I, I, it's like funny, not funny, but the very first thing says, quick background except there's nothing really <laughs> quick right. about it really you know so can you kind of i mean i say cliff's notes but but maybe not but can you kind of walk us through how we even got to where we are today let me try not to be super long-winded about this because it would be easy to be when you talk about kenny twyman's background but but real, really simply if you go back to 2018 twyman was on a police chase he was leading police on a high-speed chase he crashes into a car injures three people takes off and gets away they find a rolling drug house Uh, His car had all kinds of drugs and guns and cell phones and scales and other things inside. And one of those phones had a video that we've shown on Fox 6 quite a number of times. um, And that is Twyman in the driver's seat of the car shooting an automatic weapon randomly out of the window as he's driving through a Milwaukee neighborhood. U.S. Marshals called him a menace to the city. I think they said a complete menace to the city and uh, went out to look for him and they found him. They arrested him. He's brought in. He's charged. The judge sets bail at $3,000, and he gets out. He disappears, stops coming to court, and uh, eventually gets picked up in Waukesha for a minor drug possession charge. They set a signature bond. He gets out again, stops coming to court, disappears. He's gone for quite a while, and in January of this year, the uh, fugitive unit for the U.S. Marshals gets him again. So this is the second time they've picked up someone who we've deemed on on our, our air as one of Wisconsin's most wanted uh, fugitives, 
Second time they've had to go get him. This time they find him with a couple of pounds of marijuana, guns. They arrest him. He's charged again with new charges. He bails out again, $9,500. He has a family friend who comes in and bails him out. And he vanishes again. And in April of this year, while he's out on, on bail, um, while he's not showing up to his court appearances, he is accused of shooting Tavon Luckett to death, a man he runs into in a gas station parking lot, shakes his hand, then pulls out a gun, and according to a witness, shoots him twice. They charge him without him being in custody, issue a warrant, and for the third time, U.S. Marshals go out and get Kenneth Twyman. They've caught him in July. So now this is the third time a federal fugitive task force has brought the same guy in, and he hasn't been tried on any of these cases. He's back in custody, and it's in August when his bail set at $112,500 on the three pending cases uh, when this man named Richard Stulo comes in and pays it all to get him out. It seems like in most cases, $100,000 would be an insurmountable yeah. hurdle for someone who qualifies for a public defender, right? But in this case, he had someone who was willing to pay that money. What do we know about Richard Stulo? Well, that was the first question. And remember, this was back in August when he pays the bail. So, but Twyman was still being held in custody because he had some Waukesha charges to deal with. So I, I wanted to know in the meantime, before he resolves the Waukesha case, who's Richard Stulo? And it's not hard to look up in Wisconsin criminal court records online. You see that Richard Stulo's convicted of uh, drug trafficking. Uh, 2018 case, sentencing happened in 2020. He was convicted of essentially running a drug house out of his own house. Um, he lives on uh, South 29th Street near Cleveland and um, still lives in that same house. And um, in 2018, agents went in or, or uh, you know, whoever it was, the, I think it was a, a federal drug tra task force or maybe a, a regional task force went in, raided the house and found $100,000 in cash inside, scattered throughout the home, nine different guns, um, you know, three pounds of marijuana, a little bit of cocaine, all of the trappings of a drug operation. And that, of course, raises the question, what's a drug dealer doing paying 100 grand in bail and it caught me, too, that they confiscated 100000 in cash from the house just two years ago. And somehow, two years later, he's got $112,500 at his disposal to bail out a guy who's also accused of drug dealing and on top of that accused of homicide. Um, so it raised all sorts of questions about what's the connection? Why is he doing it? And so we requested records from the Wisconsin Department of Corrections to find out more, and those just came back recently. When you were listing off kind of what they found in that house, that was what you found in those records? Well, no, that was actually just in the criminal complaint for from the case in 2018. We, Got it. We, we, what I wanted to know is he's on probation. I mean, that's the thing. He's still on active probation He's got an agent who's watching him, trying to make sure he's on his best behavior. We know that doesn't always happen, but he's got someone watching over him and he's going and spending $100,000 to bail out a guy who's charged with murder. So it raised the question, does his agent know about this? And if so, what kind of conversations are happening? Um, many people don't know this, but the case notes that probation agents keep on a, an offender are public record. Um, they'll sometimes have to make redactions for certain types of personal information, especially if there's medical information, but a lot of it's public record. So I requested the case notes for Richard Stulo from the time he went on probation to the present. And um, because of when I requested them, it was just a couple of days after the story we had done 
in August that he had posted this bail. So all I really got about the bail payment was in those last couple of days. Um, it's clear the agent had no idea that he had just paid this bail. Um, he issues a situation alert, which essentially says this was just on the news. I don't know anything about it. The agent needs to ask him what's going on. And then you see that the agent does ask Richard Stulo to explain. And Stulo says, well, you know, I, I know the family from church. Um, and I know the dad from a landscaping business we once had, and they came to me and they said, we need a loan to get our son out of jail. So can you loan us the money? And um, they came up with an agreement. He provides a signed copy of an agreement between himself and a person named Darness Twyman, who he says in the agreement is, is Kenny's mother. I know Kenny's mother by a different name, Danielle Austin. Um, she has spoken to me on the phone. Either she goes by two names or Darness is actually the father. I don't know because the family won't talk to me. But it's an agreement between Stulo and Darness Twyman um, to loan the family $112,500 and then have them pay him back $122,500 by September of 2024. So Stulo, according to this deal, is going to make ten grand. Is that legal? Well, that's right off the bat. That's not. <laughs> that's illegal in the state of Wisconsin, um, at least to my understanding. Wisconsin does not allow bail bonds companies, um, and to prevent bail bonds companies from operating in Wisconsin, there is a statute that makes a, a you know very strict uh, law that no one can profit from acting as what is called a surety, the person who bails someone out. And in this case, if Richard Stulo had sort of on the side loaned the family money for whatever purpose they want, and then they went and bailed Kenny Twyman out, that might be different. Might still be a little sketchy because he's still profiting from money that's being used to bail him out, but at least it's not his name on it. But in this case, he has an agreement that says, I'm going to bail your son out. You're going to pay me back 10000 And then Richard Stulo goes to the courthouse and pays the money and his name is on it. So he is legally the surety who is responsible for Kenny Twyman coming back to court. And he's got $112,500 on the line for that. And he's profiting from that. My reading of the law, I'm not a lawyer, but it looks pretty clearly illegal. I did ask the Department of Corrections about that. Initially, they said they saw no problem. They have no reason to believe he's violated his probation in any way. And then when I pointed out that law, the Department of Corrections spokesperson uh, who I was dealing with, John Beard, came back late, uh, late uh, Wednesday and said, that's one of the things we're still investigating. So they're still looking at it. It's not really clear, but it's that's what he says is happening is, that, look, the family just came to me. In fact, he says, I don't even know Kenneth Twyman. I just know the parents. And it raises that question of imagine someone came to you and said, you don't know my kid. You know me from church. Got a hundred grand? And he says, sure. Um, it certainly raises some real serious questions. We talk about being, you know, as journalists, we get both sides of the story. So, you know, we're, we're talking about Kenneth Twyman and, okay, Stulo. So obviously you want to hear his side of the story. So you went and paid him a visit, but it didn't really exactly, you know, you weren't invited in for coffee. No, it was, uh, it, it was, I would describe it. I think it's fair to say it was a little bit of a dicey situation. Um, we, first of all, we already know that that house he lives in was operated as a drug house. Um, we have received, after we did the original story in August, naming Richard Stulo as the person who paid the bail, we have received a number of tips from the public saying that, you know, Richard Stulo is a bad guy. He's involved with some some bad people. Um, he's dangerous. And so I went there already with the idea that, you know, this could be a little bit of a, a, a sketchy situation, but let's go talk to him. We know where he lives. And it just so happens the day we went, 
Um, producer Pete was keeping an eye on things. And producer Pete said he's not only here. Remember, we just had that string of beautiful days right before it got cold. This was the last 70 plus degree day. It was gorgeous outside. And Richard Stulo happened to be outside grilling, which we've talked a little bit on this podcast about surveillance and sort of unscheduled interviews. Someone having something in their front yard outside where they're going to be there a while is absolutely ideal for the ability to go and approach them and try to ask questions. Because if you go and just knock on a door, someone like this is probably either not going to answer or they're going to answer, crack the door open and shut it immediately. And you have no opportunity to ask questions. We knew he was outside. So I thought, let's just, let's just go talk to him. And as we approached heads up and down the street turned and it was like the whole block was on alert immediately. And uh, when I first approached Stulo, he was leaning down, talking to someone through the passenger window of their car. And he didn't see me coming right away. Everybody else saw us coming. He didn't see it right away. But then as I got a few feet away, I extended a hand. I said, hey, I'm Brian Poulton with Fox 6 News. And he stood up and he shook my hand. And uh, I said, how are you doing? He said, all right, all right. So he seems like, what do you have to ask? The moment I mentioned $100,000 bail for Kenny Twyman, nope, nope, get out of here, go. No, I'm not talking to you. And it got pretty heated. What was a little uncomfortable is there were a couple of young men. I don't know their identities at this point. They were uh, young men who stepped in. We were on the sidewalk. They stepped in front of uh, the photographer I was working with and myself. And one of them pushed me uh, lightly back and said, get out of here. Another one put his hand in front of the camera lens. And they started saying things that felt a little bit intimidating, like, you know, you're you're messing with the wrong person, boy, and things like that. Um, but it was clear they were sort of acting in defense of Richard Stulo. He went back to the grill and yelled a few things from the grill, but just said, essentially, get out of here. It was clear he did not want to talk about why he was bailing out uh, his church friend's son. Obviously, there are people who are waiting to see what the outcome of these cases are. There are families that are invested in the outcome, particularly the family of Tavon Luckett. Um, he's the man Twyman is accused of killing back in April. Did you speak with them? And how do they feel about this whole situation? I have, I have talked to relatives of Tavon Luckett before who were, because of the nature of what Kenny Twyman is accused of doing, too fearful to show their faces and to talk on camera, but they did talk um, in disguise. You know, they've, they've felt this has been an injustice all along that he keeps getting out on, on, on bail and, and, and running free. In this case, there were a couple of family members who said they're so frustrated that he is due to get out again that they wanted to show their faces and their identities. And, and so two of the three I spoke to did, and that is Tavon Luckett's mom and his grandmother. And his grandmother in particular, you could tell... She is, you know, there were tears uh, uh, in her, the corners of her eyes as she talked, but she spoke with an anger as well. She's, she's mad. And I think the rest of the family was maybe a little bit concerned that grandma might say a little bit too much because she is clearly angry about what happened to her grandson and angry at the system for allowing the, the man who's accused of doing it to sort of keep slipping away. Um, so, but but they spoke, and that was their, their greatest concern, is that if Kenny Twyman is allowed out of jail again, he's not coming back to court, even with 100000 sitting in cash uh, that his family uh, would owe to, to Richard Stulo. They say they believe once he's out, he's gone for good. And there is some evidence to that effect. The Waukesha County DA, when dealing with one of his cases, told the court, 
that detectives in Milwaukee have heard him on jailhouse phone calls saying exactly that. Soon as I get out, I'm leaving the state. He talked about going to California. He talked about going to Las Vegas. Um, and they are extremely concerned that if he steps out of a jail, they'll never see him again. I mean, so, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, too, is that, you know, the Waukesha County DA bringing up those jail phone calls. So so they obviously have voiced their concerns. Does the Milwaukee County DA have anything to say about it? I've tried to talk to the Milwaukee County DA's office, and I want to walk through something we haven't maybe explained super clearly or I haven't yet today. And that is that when Richard Stulo paid the bail in August, um, normally you pay bail, someone gets out right away. But Waukesha County still had two felony cases pending against Kenny Twyman. So he was transferred from the Milwaukee County Jail, released in Milwaukee, but transferred immediately to Waukesha. He's been in custody there ever since. And the Waukesha County judge, after hearing of his plans to escape and the serious charges he has pending in Milwaukee, set his bond at $200,000. But bond only applies while a case is pending. And pretty quickly, they resolved that case. It was a drug possession case. It wasn't one of the drug dealing cases. It was a, a, a lower uh, level offense compared to some of the others. And so that resolved pretty quickly. He was sentenced to 180 days in jail, October 12th. 180 days would mean he'd be in jail at least until you would think April, right? That's six months from now. And his trial set for March on homicide. So the family was satisfied. He's going to be in custody until the homicide trial. Everything's good. And then they got a text message. And the text message, 11 days after he was sentenced in Waukesha County, they got a text message that said, Kenneth Twyman is scheduled for release November 22nd. And they came to me and they said, Brian, what? What's going on? Can you help us figure out? why he's being released so soon. And as it turns out, the 180-day jail sentence included 94 days of credit for time already served. It also included 45 days of what's called good time credit. And while the state prison system has truth in sentencing, that means you're sentenced to this amount of time, this is how much you get, in local jails, state law allows for good time credit of 25% of a sentence. Essentially, if you don't cause trouble while you're in custody, you get good good time credit. And after just 11 days, Waukesha County had already determined Kenny Twyman was going to get good time credit. So now they've cut his sentence another 45 days short, 25% of 180. And that all timed out with the 94 days he'd served to getting him out just before Thanksgiving. He would literally serve six weeks of what the family thought was going to be a six-month sentence. So that means he's scheduled to get out of jail. And so last I've been told by the Waukesha County Jail Administration, he is still scheduled for release next Tuesday, November 22nd, and his homicide trial is not until March. That's why the family is so concerned that he's going to get away. Your question, I'm sorry, I know that was a long answer, was about Milwaukee County. And I asked Milwaukee County, what do you plan to do? Do you plan to request a bail increase? Is there anything you can do to keep him Knowing that he's talking about escaping, knowing that you have this evidence, they haven't responded to me. What the family says they were told by a liaison in the DA's office initially was the media is making this up. There's he has no plans to run. What are you talking? The media is just making stuff up. So I took the excerpt from the Waukesha County case where the assistant DA said we have jail calls where he's planning this. And I sent that excerpt to the family. They took it to the Milwaukee DA's office, and they haven't heard anything since, um, from what they've told me anyway. So I have not heard anything, any explanation from the DA's office, but we did get new information after our story, most recent story, aired Wednesday night, um, or just before it aired, actually. The 
Uh, U.S. Marshals have been obviously watching him. The feds are well aware that Kenny Twyman could go free again. And on Tuesday, a federal grand jury indicted Kenny Twyman on gun and drug charges. And that was just published online on Wednesday. So just hours before our story aired. And believe me, U.S. Marshals, the DA's office, everybody has known we've been working on this story for a while now. Um, A federal indictment came down on Wednesday. He has been indicted on federal criminal charges. The question is, will they use that to keep him in jail? Can they place a federal hold on him? And I've put in a request to the Waukesha County Jail to ask if that is the case. Many times, federal charges do not lead to an immediate arrest or to an immediate hold. Um, Sometimes that happens later in the process. In this case, it may well be that this is the thing that keeps Kenny Twyman from, from being released. So, Brian, in many cases, the stories we do are reflective of a bigger picture. And I know you've done some reporting on bail reform in Wisconsin. How does this case, the case of Kenny Twyman, fit into that whole conversation? You know, it's what's so interesting about this, Jenna, is I thought it was fascinating that we had this case, this story airing on the same day as the sentencing for Daryl Brooks. Because we know the Daryl Brooks case is the one that really launched the conversation about bail reform in Wisconsin into the stratosphere. Um, Everyone's been talking about bail reform because we know that Daryl Brooks got out on what the DA himself called an inappropriately low bail of $1,000 after being charged with running his girlfriend, Erica Patterson, over with the same SUV he then used in the Waukesha Christmas Parade to run people over and kill and injure so many. So it raised that question of low bail. So many people have talked about DAs setting low bail. They need to set higher bail. And there were, in fact, legislative efforts last year to set minimum bails, which some have said would be unconstitutional because bail has to be set uh, case by case. Uh, Setting minimum bails could, in fact, violate constitutional rights. But there have been so many discussions about what to do. Kenny Twyman raises a whole different question. Once you've set bail at $125,000 total and one guy comes in and pays $112,500 of it in one fell swoop and he's a drug dealer, It raises the question about whether or not access to cash really protects the public. Um, This cash came from a convicted felon, a drug dealer with guns and and drugs in his house. And he's the one who paid the money. Is that keeping the public safe? So you'll have people on. And I know I've talked to uh, the the founder of Justice Point, um, which does a lot of pre-trial detention work, uh, or pre-trial supervision, I should say, in Milwaukee County, um, but also has talked a lot about bail reform, they want to see cash bail eliminated. And it's a controversial subject, and it's a hot-button political issue. It came up in the governor's race. It's often used to suggest someone who supports elimination of cash bail is often viewed or portrayed as someone who just wants to let criminals run free. So it becomes a very powerful sort of political weapon to talk about. But the ones who I've spoken to who say they want to end cash bail, one of them, uh, State Representative Evan Goyke from Milwaukee, has said he doesn't want to let the dangerous people out. In fact, he wants the opposite. He wants to create a pretrial detention system that is not based on cash at all, but is simply based on risk, based on someone's past behavior, their likelihood of of, uh, committing new crimes, the danger they pose to the public. And if they're too dangerous to release pretrial, you hold them. But if they're not deemed to be too dangerous to release pretrial, you release them and money is then no longer a part of the process. The controversy there is who makes that determination? 
How is that determination made? And there will be people who will certainly, the ACLU and others who will be fighting hard to make sure every defendant is deemed safe enough to be released unless they are uh, really extreme cases. So that's the other side of the coin. So there's those who want to raise bail and others who say we need to eliminate cash bail altogether and go with this pretrial detention system. That's a long way of saying this is not a settled issue. And this is going to be a conversation that's going to continue into 2023. Yeah, I just have a feeling. I mean, just talking through all of this, there are so many kind of like dangling things out there, you know, like what this all means for Richard Stulo. What's going to happen? Is Kenny Twyman going to be released? What does this mean for the Luckett family? You know, so there's all these things that, you know, I can see this story just kind of progressing, like you said, into the new year. Kenny Twyman is one person, obviously, we're watching because of the egregious things he's been charged with. And if he were to get away and disappear forever, it would be a travesty for the family of Tavon Luckett. Um, and, and, and there are still unnamed victims from the case in 2018 who uh, were injured when he struck them on that police chase. Um, but beyond Kenny Twyman, there is the bigger issue about does cash keep people safe? If you can set bail at more than $100,000 and someone like a drug dealer with access to big wads of cash can come in and bail them out. Um, is that keeping the public safe? It's certainly a question that I think will be addressed uh, as part of this conversation going forward. Um, it is, like I said, is a contrast to the Brooks case. Both of them certainly indicate that uh, there are questions about our pretrial release system. And, I, and I'll say, as I've said before, before someone's been convicted, they are, you know, our system says you are innocent until proven guilty. So that's why people are released pretrial at all. The question is when you've got a track record like a Kenny Twyman and there are risk assessments that say you are in extreme danger, you're in the red territory, what do you do to protect the public and is cash enough? Obviously, that's a question that remains to be debated. <music> I'd say that's as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And as always, here with that question is executive producer Sarah Smith. What do you have today, Sarah? Oh, boy. Um... Okay, today, Jenna, man, I can see you on this Zoom, and I can see you are just pumped. Okay, yeah. my question today. <laughs> what, does she already know this one? No, no. but oh, I can just, I can, oh, I can she's feel ready. she just okay. has that existential dread. <laughs> where she's like, okay, what what's the question going to be? Okay, today, we're doing a little bit of self-reflection. Um, what would be the most annoying thing about having you as a roommate? <laughs> I like that it's the most annoying thing because clearly there's well, going to be more than one. There's going to be some stuff. I mean, you know, I think about like who I lived with in college and like, did I do anything that was like grinding on people? I, I this is, you know, revealing some things about, <laughs> about myself. I hope I, I mean, if, if it's a roommate, then they're sleeping in the same vicinity. And I hope I don't snore too badly, but I think I, I might sometimes. <laughs> I know my, my father was a voracious snorer. Um, I, I don't have the same um, decibel level as him, just because I know when my brother and I would go on, we used to go on ski trips, uh, you know, out to, uh, we would go to Colorado or, or Utah, well, boys only ski trips. And there were times that we had to get a second hotel room because it was, it was that bad. I don't think I'm anything like that, but I don't know because I'm not the one who hears it. And, and <laughs> just I think, record yourself. I think yeah. my wife is just extra polite about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's nice. My husband's not nice about my um, what I call deep breathing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, I'm just breathing. <clears throat> He's not as kind. So maybe maybe he could talk to her. I feel like we should take a minute and just text all of our spouses <laughs> <laughs> and say, "Well, what do you think? It's a dangerous what do you think." Dangerous question. You're lucky I didn't text your spouses. <laughs> oh, you would have had a long list. So you can't think of much, Brian. Well, how about, and then, you know. Interesting one, that two, your three, spouse said this 47 minutes later. Talk about extending the podcast. Um, Okay, so Jenna, are you ready or do you? I'm trying to think of things I've been told about myself. I know that like when I, I leave food out, like if I if I make someone a sandwich, I might leave the meat, the deli meat on the counter for like a half hour. Oh um, no. I know. I know. Or like if I made the kids breakfast, like a bagel and cream cheese, the cream cheese might sit on the counter for like 45 minutes afterward. So I've been told that it's, it's always like very passive. Like, are you going to put away this milk or do you, you know? No, it's like, I was I, like, do you need this anymore? And right. no, no. Okay. I was well, like, well, someone might want some milk during, I don't know. But anyway, so I think I leave things out sometimes. I'm usually very clean, but I also do that with like laundry baskets. I'm very good at like taking a laundry basket and just leaving the clothes in it for like three days in the middle of a room or something That's like that. That's not going to make someone really ill though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see, you're just giving him ammunition. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. That's fair. Well, I guess like, we're not right. <laughs> little thing things that would cause bodily harm. Yeah, no, that's fine, yeah. yeah. Part of why I'm struggling with this is is the idea that, like, I, I, you know, I, if you ask me, I, I think, like to myself, oh, I'd be a great roommate. People would love me, <laughs> and I'm sure right? I'd have a million annoying things. But that's part of what probably makes them annoying is you don't realize that you're until annoying. someone points it out. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say I talk to myself a lot like full blown conversations, answer myself too. So that's a problem. Um, I also, I always sing a lot too. So like in the house, I just make up lyrics. It's not even a real song. I just sing about stuff. Maybe it's the laundry basket. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, my roommate, my husband, you know, leaves stuff out on the counter. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I don't know, I guess, I mean, I'm sure I'm super obnoxious, but. I, you know what? You just made me think of the one that probably, if you and not that I play a lot of music, but I'll play. I guess I'll play it over the you know, like play it over. I'm about to say it and she's gonna go off. I play don't, it over don't Alexa. Don't don't say it. Don't say yeah, girlfriend. Did, that's that's what we all call of our, our house. house. <laughs> girlfriend. Um, when when we play songs over girlfriend, um, I, I I tend to sing along with songs a lot, and I still remember when I was a kid, my brother, my big brother, three years older than me, would be in the car and I would sing along full volume out loud with songs. I like to sing along, and he would like hit me and say, Brian, all I can hear is. And that's like, that was my recognition. Oh, I'm annoying the people around me because I'm singing so loud. So yeah, that might be, that might be one. They didn't ask you, do you know who sings this? And then you would say the artist and they'd be like, let's keep it that way. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I, I think I've heard that a few times. We should do like, like a, what, what was the, what was the, the real world? We should do like a, you know, a couple of days of the real world with the, the open record team and find out what everyone's annoyances are. Be like big brother. <laughs> right. Then we would never want to work together again. Some things are better left unsaid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you guys are great, and and I think you think I'm okay. So we, let's keep it that way. I like you in small doses. <laughs> right, absolutely. All right. Well, um, that's uh, another, an, and I'm I'm uh, I'm grateful this week wasn't a, about um, uh, food again because I feel like I've answered uh, a lot of food questions. Uh, recently, Seems like an attack, and... Brian. No, 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 no. I feel like I've answered food questions in ways that I feel. 
um, self-conscious about. <laughs> so I needed a... Mm. Yeah. Oh, good one. Good save. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, thankful for you, quit, Brian. In any case, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record, food, annoyances, otherwise doesn't matter, uh, or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, please send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is fox6investigators at fox.com. Jenna, Sarah, thanks again for being on the podcast. You are welcome. Thank you. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, of course, Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. One quick note, we will be off next week to enjoy Thanksgiving, so we wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back again December 1st. Mm-hmm.